You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. All right. Father, we thank you for um, all that you've given us, all that you've blessed us with, all that you've trusted us with. We thank you, Lord, for the people who today have decided and chosen to trust you with that, to give back to you, to building your kingdom living and demonstrating that you have to provide for them. We pray, Lord, you would continue to stretch us as a church in the way that we give, in the way that we live, that people would see us and know that you're alive. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. All right, so this talk, I originally gave this talk back in October of 2006, and as I've been reading through different things and praying about what the Lord has for us as a church, really feel like um, that we're in a season where he's wanting to deepen our understanding of the things that we've been involved with, that we've done for years. I feel like we've moved into a season of adolescence from being a baby, and that uh, it's not good enough just to teach or to believe Um, that uh, we should be doing the work of Jesus. But the motivation behind why we do what we do for Christ uh, is really a season that he's moving us into. We've been talking about discipleship, that in order to be a disciple of Christ, part of that involves us sacrificing, part of that involves us learning about God. But really, more than anything, um, what I want to talk about today is the reality of of why we've been trusted with so much by Christ. And, And not only getting you to believe that you are who you are, which is basically what I did the first time I gave the talk, is just I was trying to convince our church, hey, I promise you're filled with the power of God. I promise you have the authority of Christ. I promise those are true things about who you are. And we are struggling through as good evangelicals and fundamentalists and people who believe the scriptures. That, and we were struggling with, am I, can, I really, can God really use me to heal people? Can God really use me to do supernatural things? And that was kind of the season we were in the first time I gave the talk. But I feel like we, we're moving into a new season of depth. And, and, and so it's not that any of those things, I mean, you're going to hear me give that talk again for many of us to kind of rejuvenate some of that excitement and that understanding that we have, but, but ground it in a greater mission and a greater purpose. And that is the mission of the kingdom of God. That God has given us authority. He's given us power, not because it's only good for us, because without it, we won't know who we really are and what we've been created to do, but mainly because it's for his glory. It's for his kingdom and building his kingdom. That's why we receive power. That's why we've received authority. That's why we need to exercise our faith is to move his kingdom forward. Recently, um, this point was made to me very vividly. I was at a swimming party with uh, several families and there was someone who was in the pool and they came out of the pool and they were hysterical. This person was totally hysterical. They, we could barely calm them down. And you know when you start crying, you go, and you can't like talk. <laughs> you know, like that? Yeah, that's like this person was, right? And they were just like really upset. And we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what had happened. And we were just settling them down, settling them down, settling them down. And, uh, and eventually they said, when I was swimming in the pool, I heard voices in my head. 
And these voices were telling me to kill myself. They were telling me to inhale water. They were telling me to pluck my to pull my eyeball out. All right. And th- I mean, it was crazy. It was, it was it was intense. It was a younger person. And um, I went over there and I just began to tell them the reality of the kingdom of God. And this is what it looks like. And to say you were experiencing a demonic attack. And to say that this is what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. And that we're opposed by evil forces. And we're opposed by darkness. And that when our children have dreams that are bad and that are evil, it's not just because they had a bad day, but it's because they're being attacked. And that this is a normal part of being in a natural world with a supernatural dimension that's opposing what God is doing. The reason it's important that we understand and not only believe that we are filled with God's power, that we are given his authority, and that we have faith to make supernatural things happen and the power of Christ for the kingdom of God, is because if we don't, death will reign, destruction will reign, and the life, I thought you weren't coming to church. And the lives, and the lives of the people that we're surrounded by, and the lives of the people that we love, in our family, in our friends, in our children. The enemy has come to kill, to steal, and destroy. That's happening. That is happening right now to people in this room. It's happening to marriages in this room. It's happening to relationships with parents and their children in this room. It's happening to our college students in this room, believing lies about who they are and who they're not. And the enemy is robbing you. He's killing you and he's destroying you. Wanting you to believe that you really aren't who you say you are, who Christ says you are. People dying. And when we choose not to engage in the role that we've been created for, for whatever reason, Maybe that you're scared about it. And maybe that, oh, I'm not a risk taker. Well, just know this. You're choosing to allow people to die. You're choosing to allow people to suffer. You're choosing to allow the kingdom of darkness to have its way on this earth. We're called to be bearers of light, to be ambassadors of Christ. I met a boy this week at the beach who um, was hit by a... He was on a scooter going to work. He's from Chicago. His brother was on a basketball scholarship, was, went to the pros to play in the European deal, and he was on his way to school, Fletcher basketball player, junior, hit by a car. Massive trauma, was a vegetable, in the hospital for over a month, and the doctor said, we can't do anything else for him, nothing. And he couldn't move. He was gaunt. He had, uh, couldn't talk. He couldn't even shake his head, nothing. They thought he was quadriplegic. They thought that that was the best that his life was going to be. What do we have to offer him? The enemy has stolen his mobility. He's robbed him of life. He's taken away the things that he was promised by Christ to live for, you know, to have as, human, as a human being, a physical, in a physical sense. They've been taken away by an enemy who desires to come to kill, steal, and destroy so what do we do in that situation? Doctors, medical, nothing. He's hopeless, totally hopeless. What do we do? Well, I'm just not a risk taker. I probably can't pray for him. I'm just not going to do that. If we do nothing, if we do nothing for whatever reason, we're choosing to allow the enemy to win. 
not win over all. We know the gates of Hades will not overcome. You know, we know that. We know that God's going to win. But we're not only missing out on our call and becoming who God's created us to be, but we're allowing people to continue in the position of suffering and the enemy to continue to steal the things that Christ is desiring for them. And so these Christians at the beach said, uh, we don't believe that. We believe that God, that God can bring healing. We believe that God can bring restoration. So they took him off all his medicine and they started ministering to him and praying for him, laying hands on him, going to see him every day, exercising his body. I went to see him this day. We're gonna help, we're gonna do stuff with him because I just thought, man, this is awesome. I showed up to meet with him and Channel 4 was there doing a story. You can go look at it. This guy named Alan. His brother's left, has stayed here to help him. He was talking. He was moving his arms. He stood. He was sitting up in a chair. And they're expecting him to get fully recovered. Doctors, what the world had to offer him was nothing. But what God had to offer him was hope. Hope through people who believed they were filled with the power of God, given the authority of God, and acted on it in faith. And the result is life. The enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give life and life to the full. Life to the full. Are you going to choose to be an ambassador of life? Or are we going to continue to justify that I'm too scared? I don't have that gift. I'm not going to do that. I believe it. I'm just not there yet. Are we gonna, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to choose? The difference in this talk is I'm not letting us off easy today. It's not only about what you not becoming. Yeah, you won't become who you're created to be. Yeah, we as a church won't be who we're created to be. But guess what? Other people will pay the price as well. Apparently, man, you're just, that seems like you're trying to guilt us and put a bunch on our shoulders. And you're, no, you know I don't use guilt. You know I don't use guilt. But when we look at the word authority today, it wasn't as if Christ was giving us permission. He was giving us a command to exercise his authority. And commands are meant to be followed. Right? Right? Yes. Yes. Commands. Commands. That means we do them. We're supposed to do them. Okay, and so this talk, if this is new to you, great. I'm gonna work hard to motivate you to start praying for people. I'm gonna motivate you today to believe that you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And that power can raise other people from the dead. That power can bring life where there's death. It can bring light where there's darkness. I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna convince you that that same power is in you. I'm also going to convince you that you've been given the authority to exercise that power. Yes, we all lost it in the Garden of Eden. But yes, Christ has restored our authority through the power of the cross when he defeated death. And given that back to us. And the third thing is, I'm going to motivate you to bring those two things together with faith. Faith is the third element. The, The critical element in this whole process is, yes, we can believe we have power and we can believe it's in us. Yes, we can believe that we have authority that's been given to us by Christ. But if we don't actually do anything about it, then nothing still happens. <laughs> nothing happens. And faith is what brings those two things together. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. Okay, so we're good. So let me talk to you, talk to you a little bit about 
authority. This talk, I originally got it from a talk that Bill Johnson did called uh, Power and Authority. So you can listen to more of it, more of the outline. I'm not going to, um, and so, let me t- I want to talk to you a little bit about power first. Power that's used here is an inert power, a power residing in a thing by the virtue of its nature. It's like an engine in a car. A car has an engine, and because it has an engine, it has power. It's that simple. We, when we receive Christ, we get the Holy Spirit, and because we get the Holy Spirit, guess what we get? We get the power of the Spirit within us. It's ver- the ver- we have power because we follow Jesus. We've received power because we follow Jesus. So that means anyone and everyone who receives Jesus also receives power. And so if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I've never experienced God's power, but I follow Jesus. Well, the power's in you. You have the power because you're following Jesus. You have the power because the Holy Spirit's living in you. Now, if the Holy Spirit's not living in you, you got nothing. You got no power. You have your own power, okay? And so the power that Jesus, oh, I didn't read the scripture yet. Dang, I better read the scripture getting excited. Luke 9, 1 and 2. <laughs> and he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he called the 12 together and he gave them power, dynamite power. It's where we get dynamite from. And authority to rule over, have dominion over the demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So we've been given this power. The disciples were given this power. You may be thinking, well, those were the disciples. Those were the 12. They had a unique role in the history of God, you know, in the history of the kingdom of God, in the building of the kingdom of God. But in chapter 10, we see Jesus do the same thing. He takes 72 weird oddballs that you never know their name, just like us, and he gives them authority and power to cast out demons, to heal, to proclaim the gospel also. So it's not just the disciples. It's for, for all of us who follow Christ, have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And the power that he's talking about here is an inert power. It's the power that's inside of you, given by God through the power of the Spirit. You have it. You have it in you. It is there. Whether you feel it or not, the power to make eternal change for God's kingdom, for his glory, is inside of you. And so every time you come into a situation, there's two different things that can happen. You can either believe you have this power, And you can come into a situation that looks impossible, and you're like, this is an impossible situation. And you can do one of two things. You can go, this is an impossible situation. There's no way I can do anything here. And you just leave it. And you allow what you see to determine what can happen. And that's what the enemy wants. Because when you bump up against impossibility, you can either allow what you see to determine what happens, or you can allow impossibility to create in you a desire to see what is impossible happen. You can believe that you have power in you to do the impossible. Those are your two responses. I either believe I have the power of God in me for him to do something in and through me in this circumstance because there's nothing that I can bring to the table. But you have the power in you, you do. It's a promise. It's a promise from Christ that you have the power in you. And you're faced with the decision to pursue what God created you for or to allow the circumstances to define who you are and what you're able to do. And again, you're right. This is not natural. 
There should be an element of this that freaks you out a little bit. There should be an element of you. If you brought a friend today, you should be thinking, oh, my goodness, what in the world? This should sound a little strange because it's supernatural. You can't do it. If it was, not, if it was natural, then you could do it. You could participate. Like, you could do it because you're natural. But it's not. The circumstances that we're called to bring life to are supernatural, require the supernatural, require the craziness of God's power in our lives to exert itself so that change and life can occur. You know, and lots of people, when it comes to the power of God, love it. They love the power of God because it transforms us. When you receive the Holy Spirit for the first time, are you experiencing an outpouring of the Spirit? There's nothing better. It's awesome. I mean, it, it transforms us. It changes us individually. It's amazing. And so many of us, we, get, we experience that and we're like, ooh, I want more of that. Bring me the power of Jesus. And so we're like, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. And we go on these quests and these conferences and we go to these places and we want to experience more of God's power, more of God's love, more of God's this, more of God's that. And we're just like, bring it on, bring it on, Holy Spirit. I want more, more, more. I want the Shekinah glory of the Lord in me. That's what we're thinking. We want that. We want to taste and we want to see that the Lord is good. We want to, we want to feel that. And that's not bad, but we receive the power of God for a reason and a purpose to transform, to heal, to restore us, to draw us into to himself. I mean, that is critical and that's important. You know, Brian last week when he spoke, it was great that he, t- he said the first point is that I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height do do, nor death do do, nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He started with that. Because if we don't understand that the, the love of Christ Jesus is in us and that nothing can separate us from the love of God, if we don't understand that as our foundation, then we won't go far. That's great. God's greatest desire is for us to be rescued, us to know his love. And as that, that power comes in us, restores us and heals us and transforms us, it's meant to be used. But instead what happens is people are like, ooh, that felt good. I like that. Knock me down again, Jesus. Or I want to share. Oh, you like, oh, this is great. You know, whatever. And that's where it ends, isn't it? It's where it ends because that's easy. It's easy to receive and to get fat on the power of God and never use it. Power is meant to be used for something. First to transform us, but then to transform the world. Was my fat shaking when I was doing that? Gosh, I didn't think about that. The power of God has been given to us to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to bring sight to the blind, to proclaim the gospel, to minister to the poor. That's why we've received the power of God. Because the enemy's killing and stealing and destroying in the supernatural and in the natural. We have to claim, fight for, and get back what belongs to Christ. What he has died to bring. So even though we believe we have the power, some of us never use it. And when we choose not to use the power of God, what's really happening is we're not exercising our authority. We're not exercising our authority. And that's the second element that I want to talk about. Authority is, the and this is the hard one to get our hands around. 
There's power. The way it's defined in the commentaries that I've looked at, it, it, it says this, power over persons and things, dominion, authority, and rule. Whenever I say dominion and rule, what do you think about? Probably, some of you probably think about Genesis. That's a great place to go back to. What did it mean when God gave Adam and Eve authority to rule and have dominion over? Well, they got to name the animals, to rule over, to eat them if they wanted to eat them, but to manage them, to grow them, to extend the kingdom of God beyond the Garden of Eden. That was their role of having dominion, to rule over. That's what it looks like, to rule over his creation. But what happened is when sin entered the world, we lost our authority. God couldn't trust us with our authority because we were demonstrating that we wanted to build our kingdoms. And the story of the whole Bible, as you look at scripture, is us running away from God, trying to do our own thing, and God running after us and ministering to us and saving us from ourselves. And so when you think about ruling over, having authority, again, we see Jesus, we see in Matthew and other places where we, we read that Jesus says, all authority in heaven has been given to me, and now I'm giving it to you to go do what I began in being obedient to my Father, building his kingdom. And so the death of Christ on the cross, defeating Satan, crushing him, gives him the authority back that we lost. And then as we become children of God, he gives us our authority back so that we can continue the work of Christ. And so when we have the power of God and we choose not to use it, we're not acting on the authority we've also been given. Does that make sense? And so that's why there's two of them. There's two, th- there's two elements there. Illustration of a car. In a car, you have an engine. When it's in neutral, you can admire it. You know, you can go like sit in it. Have you ever sat in a car? Whenever you're, well, anyway, you, obviously you all have. But you can sit in it if you have a nice car or whatever. You can go sit in the car and you can rev the engine. You feel the power. Oh, I like the power. The power feels good. Oh, I bet this car can move fast. I bet this car is awesome. I like the power of the car. I like the power of the engine. I can feel the power. There's a Shekinah glory. That right there, that's the same thing, right? But if you never drop that baby into gear, the power's never realized, right? And many of you are thinking like, can I, I can drop it into gear? I can, I, I'm the one that God's calling. He can actually use me to drop it into gear so that God's power can be realized on earth. Yes, how? Christ died for you. What did he give you? A driver's license. He's giving you a driver's license. That's what he's giving. That's what that's like. It's like, I have a car. I have two cars sitting at home. Chase has a learner's permit. Chase can't drive the car. No, he cannot drive the car. Because if Chase drove the car without the authority given to him, he would hurt somebody. But one day, when he's ready, he'll get a driver's license. And he'll be able to not only sit in the car and push the gas and experience the power, but he will be able to drop that bad boy into gear and engage the car. And the car will be able to do what's created to do. Because Chase, who has a driver's license, has been given the authority to use the car. When Christ died on the cross, he gave us all back our driver's license. And he says, get in the car and drop it into gear. And go do and exert the power that I've given you for my purpose, for my kingdom. Go rescue people. Go pick up people that are aimlessly walking around who need a lift. Who need a lift to life. This is getting cheesy. (laughs) But that's what happens. And so, 
Okay, so, say, so a lot of us are saying, okay, I believe, I believe, I'm, I, I get the power of the car. I believe I'm sitting in the driver's seat. I believe I have the driver's license, but I'm afraid to shift the gear. That's faith. That's because you don't have faith. Again, that's a gift too. You can't go buy some faith. But that's the reason why you don't drop it into gear. So you can believe in the power, you can believe in the authority that you have. But if you don't actually start living it out, you're not exercising the faith that you've also been given alongside of it. It's not enough just to think correctly about God. You have to use what you've been given. You have to exercise the faith that you have. And if you don't, again, you won't become who God's created you to be. And you'll live a very safe, normal, boring, nice Christian life. You know what? God doesn't need normal, nice Christians. He needs Christians. He needs people who believe they have the power, who believe that Christ died for them, who are ready to sit in the driver's seat, and every once in a while they might back over somebody and hurt them. Who are willing to exercise their faith and get out there and go for it. It's like we were all blindless, you know, we're all mindlessly walking around. We become saved. And Jesus says, hey, great, you're saved. This is awesome. Okay, so what I'm going to do now is you don't have to function under your power anymore. I'm going to give you any vehicle you want. You can have any vehicle you want, okay? First, it's going to restore your health and your strength because you've been walking around. You've been dead. But now you're alive. You're going to sit in this vehicle. And eventually, I want you to go drive the vehicle around and pick people up and rescue them from death and destruction from the enemy, okay? And you're like, wow, that sounds awesome. I've been walking around and I'm tired. And he goes, okay, what vehicle do you want? What vehicle do you want? And I've thought about the different vehicles that we would drive based on our gifts. You can listen to the last, last sermon to hear it, but there's some good ones in there. I have a whole list of them. Prophetic people would have convertibles so they could yell stuff out to people. Teachers would have the big megaphone car, right, right, and it'd be teaching everywhere. Children's workers, Amy Gay, people who love people, children like, they drive ice cream trucks. <laughs> Dreamers would have sleeper buses. Oh, yeah, the list goes on and on. I can just keep going. I, I thought it was really clever last night when I was thinking about these. Anyway, so Jesus says, you can have any vehicle, but I mean, you to use it to rescue people. And we go, okay, okay, let me think. And we're thinking, we're thinking, we're thinking. We're like, okay, I know what I want. I want a bicycle. What? A bicycle, yeah, bicycle, yeah, because it's better than walking. And she's like, but it's still your, kind of your own power. Yeah, but I can leverage kind of what you give me. I can leverage that, but it's a lot safer. I won't run anyone over. I can control it a lot more. And he goes, well, how are you going to rescue anyone? He's like, well, I got these pegs they can stand on in the back. Or maybe I'll ride them on my seat or handlebars. And Jesus is looking at you like, are you crazy? I've died. You can, you, can, you can choose a Winnebago. You can choose a, a Hummer. You can do some serious damage, and you're choosing a bicycle? Come on. But that's what we do. That's what we do when we choose to not exercise our faith and engage the power and the authority that we've been given. And remember, not only will you not become who God's created you to be, and this is what I mean by that. If you think about the things, I keep talking to OCC for some reason. I keep talking, <laughs> I keep thinking about, if you think about the things that you need, you know, we, we hear that and we think, Okay, well, you know, God brings me those things, Antley. Why isn't God just going to drop this in my lap? Doesn't he provide everything that I need to become who I'm supposed to be? God promises to provide everything that we need. But God is not obligated to make us who we're called to become. 
A guy named Walter Randolph said that. I Googled him, and it didn't show up anywhere. So it could be, fictitious. It could be a fake name. But listen to me here. God promises, don't worry. I'm going to provide your food. I'm going to provide your clothes. I'm going to provide your shelter. I'm going to provide for you the things that you need. I've also given you the power. I've given you the authority. But I'm not going to make you go out and become who I've created you to be. You have to exercise the faith I've given you, and you've got to go get it. You've got to go get it. God loves faith. He loves when we live. Because what does that demonstrate? We'd be robots if it was the other way around. But he gives us enough faith. He gives us the power. He gives us authority. And he says, now use those. Trust me. Trust me. I've given you, promised you these things. I'm going to provide for you these things. But if you want to become who you've been created to be, you got to go for it. you got to risk. you got to step out. you got to, you got to be willing to exercise your faith. Not just think correctly about God, but live correctly for God. And that's what I mean. It's not enough. Oh, yeah, I believe in healing now. I believe in the gifts now. I believe in speaking in this. I believe in this. I believe the power of God, and we do ministry every time. Is your life changing? Are the people's lives around you changing? Are you praying for the sick? Are you praying for demons to be cast out? Are you praying for the poor? Are you ministering to the lost? Are you proclaiming the word of God? Because if you're not, you're not becoming who God's created you to be. Even the demons believe in Jesus and they will perish. It's not enough to just believe. The litmus test is your life. What does your life reflect you really believe? I told you I was going to motivate you today. I told you. This is what we're called to. This is the kind of church we're called to. It's the kind of church that OCC is called to be. This is the church. This is what separates us. We take seriously Jesus Christ and building his kingdom. We take seriously the power and the authority that's required. And we pray like crazy for the faith. And then we walk through the doors when God opens them. You know, when I grew up, I was, um, my sport when I was a kid was baseball. And I played forever. And I hated it at the end. But um, it's not this bad coach. I became his only losing season as seniors. It was brutal. So mad. But anyway, what's the worst thing that can happen in baseball? If you're, I mean, not losing. I mean, losing's bad. That is bad. But the worst thing is a player that can happen in baseball when you're at bat. Strike out, that's not the worst thing. No, that's not the worst thing. Get hit, no, that's not the worst thing. Huh? Hit by a ball, no, that's not the worst thing. Hit by a ball, you get a free base. I love that. Okay. I was really small. I just crowd the plate, get hit all the time. I hated it. But anyway, what's the worst thing? Called third strike. Two strikes. And you let the third one go without even swinging. Loser! It's the worst thing that you can do. Because you're not even trying to hit the ball and you know you have two strikes. You know what we're doing? A lot of us, we're watching the... And we're flinching, flinching at it. And we're not swinging. Why? We're afraid we're going to strike out. We're afraid we're going to fail. We're afraid that it's not going to happen like we think it's supposed to happen. We're going to afraid that, whatever, we're going to hurt somebody. You know, we're afraid that, what if, what if God doesn't heal? Well, we can't control any of that. But we're not swinging at the pitches. And if you don't swing at the pitch, guess what? You can't hit the ball. You can't make a difference for your team. 
You know, we have to stop sitting back and letting the pitches go by. We have to start swinging, trusting that Christ, it's okay if we fail. We have that freedom in Christ. The results are up to him. We need to ask God what we're called to and go for it. You might be thinking, Antley, what are you talking about? God's not gonna, God's not gonna make it happen in my life. It's up to me. There's an effort required. Think about, I mean, when God told Moses, hey, I, you're gonna cross the Red Sea. Did he, did he build him a bridge? No. What did he say? Moses, trust me, have faith. Strike the water and then I'll make a way. The, the staff was a stick before he did it. The staff was just a stick until Moses exercised his faith and said, I believe. Wham, God did it as a result of Moses' response and faith that God had the power to provide and the promise, hid the promise that he told him. He said, promise the nation of Israel. I promise the promised land. I promise you the promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. What did he say? You gotta go get it. You gotta go after it. He sent spies into there. We're afraid. We don't want to take the rest. We don't want to do it. We're afraid there are big eight foot people there. We're not going to do it except for two of them. And so God said, look, you got to go after. Do you trust me or not? And so you should believe right now. I have the power living inside me through the Holy Spirit. I've been given the authority because of the death of Christ. He has bought back for me the authority that I lost because of my sin. Nothing. I haven't earned any of those things and I haven't earned my faith. They're all a gift. But I have them. I have them now. Am I going to use them? Am I going to step out and use them? And God's given us different personality types, different desires in our hearts, and that will look different for everybody. But you know, only you know what it will look like for you. And what I'm challenging you with today is to stop letting the pitches go by. Stop blaming God for not showing up in your life. Stop talking about serving the poor. Stop talking about healing for people. Stop talking about ministering this or doing that. And start doing it. Start doing it. What's the worst that could happen? You fail. You have funny stories to tell about you failing. Some of the best testimonies are fail testimonies. I love those. You know, but that's what God, you know, those results are up to God. You know, when we started as a church, this was scary for some of us. In worship, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was, it was, it was uncomfortable for me. I did this for a while, and then I did this, and then I did this thing, whatever that is. Like, <laughs> fill me up. Praise you, Jesus. I don't know what that was. But that, that's normal now. That's easy now. That's not risky for me. That's not risky at all. That's not risky at all. What, what was once risky is now normal to us. As a church, we've grown, we've matured. We're five years, six years old. And what was risky to us at one time has become normal. So how do you get started? Take a risk. Whatever it is will eventually become normal if you do it enough. And in doing so, you'll become who God's created you to be. And that's where the excitement is. That's where the fun is. That's where, where the dependence on God comes. Our faith kicks in. And there are times where we look like a fool. I'm a fool for, you know, when we, we are. You'll be a fool for Jesus. It'll happen. But remember what I said in the beginning. When we choose not to engage in power, authority, and faith, we're choosing to let the enemy win, to have victory, to bring Destruction and pain 
and brokenness into people's lives. I don't want that. I don't want that. You know, and we're not called to go to the, you know, we file out of here and go to the hospital and start praying for everyone. It's, it's, God's made it a lot easier for that than that. He said that he'll open the doors for us. He'll lead us with the power, through the power of his spirit. All we need to do is ask and be open to what he has for us. And that he won't put us in any situation that we can't handle. He'll always provide a way out. Always. We have so many promises in scripture of our trusting, loving father in heaven saying, look, I'm with you. I have your back. But it doesn't relieve us or release us from exercising the authority that he's been given us and bringing life to the lost, healing to the sick, sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. If your life is a litmus test, what would people say about what you believe? Let's stand. In ministry today, there's people who are new to this and they're saying, ooh, I want me some power. I want me some authority. I want me some faith. And that's great. We want you to come and receive all of those things. All of those things are available today through the power of the Spirit. They're all gifts that we have to ask for. The Father says when we ask for the Spirit, he always sends them. God wants us to give us those things. But some of us today maybe who've been here for a long time, have just, we've just become complacent. We've, just, we've rested on the risks that we've taken in the past and we've stopped risking. And in some ways, that's not a bad thing because the, the normalcy of the Holy Spirit has become real in our lives. But we need to risk again. We need to lead our church. People who are new, we, people who've been here for a while, we need to risk again What's next, Lord? Show me what's next. And for some of you, it's understanding, maybe for the first time, the creator of the universe, who is all-powerful, who is all-authoritative, who had everything that he needed in a perfect relationship with his son and the spirit, demonstrated that power in your direction through Jesus Christ. And think about that all-powerful creator. His most powerful act was for you. That's the heart of why we need to be doing this stuff. It's because we've experienced the grace, the work of Christ in our life. And because we love him, we want to bring it to other people. But some of you maybe haven't experienced that. But today, Jesus wants to become real. The beauty of Christ, real in your life. So let's just come forward for whatever reason. Your prayer minister.